With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The year is 2022. A worldwide pandemic has claimed almost 6 million lives worldwide. Our democracy is under attack by the very people that claim to be patriots. We live in a country that doesn't trust the media, their government, or even their own doctor. Conspiracy theories have taken hold of our neighbors, our family, people we have known our entire lives. Through the fog, there is hope. In the distance, we can see a group of people, a group of people dedicated to battling the misinformation campaign designed to destroy our way of life. Every Friday, they present important news dispel and debunk conspiracy theories and desperately search for the ever-evolving truth. Welcome everybody to the ever-evolving truth. It's Tuesday. We're diving deep. We're talking about, uh, as uh, Abby put it in the in the group chat, uh, uh, progressive humanist policies that have gone too far, perhaps. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's weird because just a couple episodes ago, I, de- I declared myself as a progressive humanist. So now I feel like I'm part of this like uh, decriminalization of of uh, shoplifting movement. No, that's is, it's not that's really actually a why. I, that's why I wanted to talk about it, though, Jeff, because yeah. I think that we're probably mostly going to agree. But oh, 100 percent. Yeah. The, some yeah. of this stuff is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'm here with Abby, Greg. I'm sorry, Abracadabra. Oh, you did it so nice on the last Gosh, episode. I did. Uh, you know how I struggle with names. Now I'm going to struggle with that one forever. Uh, the Truth Seeker, Leah, Hand of the Pook, Loophole Leah, and one of her many lefty. Names. We're all together. Amanda's in the backs. Amanda is in the back. I can't talk. Uh, so luckily, uh, this is Abby's brainchild for the most part. Uh, so you have uh, a couple articles that you're going to share. We're going to talk about for the first two segments. Uh, the one is the shoplifting and the other one is the um, the, the, the uh, drug use campaign. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Is that the, the New York one? The New York the Department of Health? Yeah. So it I, the campaigns, I believe, were launched in San Francisco and New York. Mm-hmm. And I think they're starting to crop up in other major cities, too. Yeah. But this is where they like launched the campaign. And then in the third segment, we're going to discuss a little more in depth, the, uh, uh, the medical assisted suicide laws that have recently changed in, in Canada, how that's affecting, uh, people there. Uh, so 
we've got a great episode for you. Make sure you stick with us. Uh, let's start off with with the articles that you mentioned that you want to cover in the in the first two segments here. Okay, so um, we'll go over the drug campaign first because it's not even an article per se. I just want to read these um, campaigns for you. Uh, these billboards that they've created. Uh, the campaign is called No Overdose, K-N-O-W. Um, and one of the posters here reads, change it up. Injecting drugs carries the highest risk of overdose. So try smoking or snorting instead. And then there is, I had it all set up. There it is. This was a really interesting layout on this website. I almost, I, I skipped over most of it before I went back and read the portions of it because they almost mm-hmm. have it like a graphical, uh, like a like a graphic magazine sort of layout with just like little snippets of their mission statement oh, broken up. We should put yeah. the They put the, some money into this. Yeah, yeah, we should definitely put the link in the description so people can see it because the visual is important. So, Go ahead, Abby. Yes. So there's another one here uh, that says having Narcan on deck is a lifesaver. I come into contact with people who are overdosed and usually I leave them alone or walk past, but I just learned this training and I wanted to use it. That one I don't have as much of a problem with. Uh, And then there was another one that was like, uh, using alone is unsafe. Do it with friends, take turns. So basically you're not getting high at the same time. And... Listen, I, I get it. I don't. I get the point of the cam. Well, actually, I care very much about your opinion on this, mm-hmm. Leah. Okay. So I, un- I understand where this started, mm-hmm. where it's like locking up drug addicts and demonizing them doesn't help them. No. They're still going to be drug addicts. You and can it's get wrong. drugs in prison. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I understand the idea of like, we need to try to help these people, not just lock them up and get them off the streets so that they're out of sight, out of mind. And we can all go on living in our nice, polite little society. I feel like right now this has crossed over into, uh, it's trending, encouraging, encouraging drug use. Right. And I, I think there is right. Like I think that this is something that we should not remove the stigma around. I agree. I couldn't agree. Drug use should absolutely be stigmatized. And what I find so troubling about it too is these are like billboards that are on city streets on the sides of highways. Kids are seeing this. Mm-hmm. They are. I it's I think it's bad bad messaging. And on top of it, this campaign is paid for by naloxone which is the drug that is used to bring people back when they overdose. Mm. So the trend that seems to be happening right now, because there's like this miracle drug that if you overdose, you can be brought back to Mm -hmm. life. People are pushing how much they use to the edge because they want to get as high as possible, knowing that they could administer this drug and, and bring them back. And if you are in the mind of an addict, you are constantly chasing that high. Mm-hmm. And especially with things like heroin and fentanyl, you have to keep using more and more and more with diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. So people are pushing it further and further and further, knowing they can use the smaloxone to bring themselves back if they overdose. And I personally find it really sketchy that this ad campaign is paid for 
by the company that's profiting off of people. Yeah, they're not they're not pushing yeah. it for the there, there might be in the ad campaign. There might have been a think tank around. Well, how can we help people and through helping people market this product that's going to help more and more people not die? But if the main sponsor of the ad campaign is making money off the drug being sold and the only way the drug's going to be effective and make money is if people are overdosing, you can see where the problem there is in the chain of logic. Uh, also, you know, Leah, I got to say two things real quick. You reminded me when we had had our, our, our well, you and Jeff uh, got a little heated about the pedophile discussion a couple of weeks back and you had compared it to being an addict, which I thought was a, an interesting thing to think about. And I thought to myself, uh, as I was reading through this stuff, um, A, I think the person I'd want, I get the whole thing of like, well, if I'm a user, I understand users and we can help each other and make sure that we don't go all the way off the cliff. Like I can, we can keep pulling each other back. The last person I'd trust to keep my ass straight when I'm, when I'm using is another addict who doesn't have any control over whether they're going to succumb in the moment or as their Mm -hmm. thinking gets altered, they're going to stick to the original plan. So a, that's they're going to not up and forget to give you the drug. Like that. Yeah, they could forget to, to give you the, exactly. the drug. Yeah. They they could just they could take too much on their own thing. I'll only take a little bit, and I'll I'll still be uh, uh, able to watch. How many times do people lie to you when they're fucked up that they're not fucked up? So, oh. but the pedophile thing, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, if I have contact with, I'm an addict. If I have con, uh, if I have contact with the opiates, I'm going to use the opiates. It kind of reminded me of like mm-hmm. what, it, it, like if you got two pedophiles together. Who could sort of like mm-hmm. be each other's sponsors is like, okay, are you feeling the urge? Let's talk about it. Are you in, are you in close proximity to something and you're thinking the kind of thoughts you don't want to think? But the, the thing that's completely ignored in that is that you have a joint mania inside uh-huh. your own minds that, that mm-hmm. will inevitably in some ways feed on each other. And it, it'll, it, it becomes an obsession in the moment that, yeah, you might be talking about why you shouldn't be doing it, but you've got collective mania feeding on itself in that conversation. And I, I think there's a lot of ways that could go wrong. Now, could two pedophiles keep each other from acting in the moment? Yes, that could also be true. Could two drug users keep each other from going too far in the moment? Yes, it could be true. But the risk that comes along with that seems to be something that should be talked about as a big part of this discussion. And I feel like both of those are just a time bomb. And I'm just going to say something real quick, because I think we all want to hear from Leah on this. Yeah. And uh, I want to give you the floor um, uninterrupted. But like, I think this is so simple. Like, why can't the message just be, look, you don't have to be ashamed of being an addict, but come here to find help. Mm-hmm. You know? they take it and too here, far. here are the things that, that, that we can do to help you with your addiction. And, and you're not going to be judged. You're not going to be uh, ridiculed for being an addict. Just come here and, and let's start that process, the, the healing process. Like, why can't that just be the message? Like, we don't have to shame drug users, but we shouldn't be encouraging them to use it with friends as if it's that's a solution. It's not. That a just solution. seems like absolute ludicrous to me. I just uh, and, and yes, it is a problem that and this is just another this is the last thing I'll say. This is just another example of why uh, healthcare should not be for profit. This drug company makes a drug that it, it's a miracle. It mm-hmm. saves lives. It, it brings people back from ODing. That part is wonderful. The fact that they need to make a billion dollars off of it is criminal. It should be criminal. The fact right. that they're using someone's disease to make a billion yes. do- dollars yes. off of it, that's a problem. And don't don't you feel like it's giving up on these people? Yes. Like basically you're so far gone 
that we're not even going to try to bring you back to sobriety. Yeah, it sounds like hospice right. for, for like, drug addicts. It does. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's perfectly said. Yes. And, I and, agree. And I don't think that's the intention, but mm-hmm. we've talked about the far left a lot and we've talked about humanism and the progressive movement and all that kind of stuff. And there is this part of the extreme left that gets more outraged by things that they don't fucking understand. The people that are coming up with these campaigns, I guarantee you, are not addicts and never were. Maybe they've never even talked to an addict. They don't know the realities of it, but somebody gave them money to make a campaign and they don't care about the lives that are going to be damaged in this. This is hugely dangerous. One, I don't know how I feel about addicts being shamed, but shame worked for me. Shame saved my life. Being ashamed, being embarrassed, thinking that that there was a difference between Percocet and heroin is the only reason I never switched. Um, and I was one of the few people that was okay to be, that never went past a point where I was chasing a dragon. I just wanted to not be sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't chase the high as much. Um, but I know a lot of people that did. So... So they're speedballing, which is the combination of a, a, a speedy drug and, and a downer, right? An upper and a downer gives you an incredible high, apparently. And they're using this drug. If they start to OD, somebody is there to... to but the other people using it are, are, are... The person that's supposed to save your life is getting high, too. I, I just don't understand any of this. And I don't like that... There, it seems to be trendy. Like if you're putting this on on bulletin boards, like used together, I think there's a difference between a clean needle program and putting mm. the buddy system on bulletin. Board. Oh, there is. There's a big fucking difference, and and there's a financial gain here, and I really really feel that this campaign is just throwing away the lies of addicts to to sell their product. And, and I think it's, it's criminal. I, I do. I think, so it's, you think, it's do you think that their, their messaging is being smartly used to sound like it's one thing when it's only another, or do you think there's an aspect of this that, that is, we want to push this idea of supporting each other who you're both stuck in the same hell. So if you support each other, you might be able to claw out together. Is there any of that that you think is legit? I think, you think it's all profit. No, I do think a lot of that is legit. I think that, again, I think the far left likes to try to fix all these problems in this way of saying, you're, you're good enough exactly who you are as the far left, right? We accept everyone. Um, we accept trans and, and, and gay and lesbian and, and we accept addicts too, there is a really fucking big difference there. And that's coming from an addict. I actually, I totally relate to this, Leah, and it's not as extreme as being a drug addict, but there is so much hateful rhetoric from the far left if there is any critique of someone being obese. And as someone who is obese, Mm -hmm. I am allowed to say this, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to demonize people who are overweight. I think that is wrong. That is not where your soul value comes from. And people who are overweight have a lot to offer to the world. That Mm -hmm. being said, 
there are all kinds of health complications that come along with being very overweight. And I can only speak for myself, but I can tell you that like, I know my energy level isn't Mm -hmm. what it would be if I weighed 50 pounds less or a hundred pounds less. Mm -hmm. And I have been told by people online, just advocating for any kind of weight loss or healthy lifestyle that I'm fat phobic and I'm part of the problem. And it's like, and it's people who are not overweight themselves. And that's what drives me nuts. Yes. And I, I feel like that is what we're seeing here where it's like, just, I know I've had some issues with Jordan Peterson recently, but he has said Mm -hmm. one of the worst things you can tell a person is you're fine just the way you are. It's okay to be comfortable with yourself, but if there are serious problems that you need to address, that is the worst messaging. That is the Uh worst messaging you could give someone. And I feel like that is what is happening with this drug campaign. And let me let I me point too. out, it's also the opposite of what being progressive is about. Being progressive yeah. is never standing still, never being just okay with the way things are. It's always believing that we can be better than the point we're at right now. That's what being a progressive is. Yeah. Or should be. So I guess the question then, Jeff, is, is this being better? No. Yeah. No. I mean, I think we all agree the, with that. Look. I am all for decriminalizing drug use, right? Yeah. I I am all for that because there are studies that show that it leads to less drug use and less, uh, less drain on the, uh, the taxpayer for housing nonviolent criminals who don't have a criminal problem. They have a human problem, which is being an addict. We're, we, they have a medical problem. They have a medical Let's problem. Let's be clear yeah. here. It is a medical problem. This is not, it, it's, a, it's a chemical imbalance. Yeah. Not every addict. It could not be hereditary. Every, it, there's a lot yeah. of reasons for addiction. And, and they're still not sure yet, but you are not your best self when you are in active addiction. Right. Um, no one should be accepting you and loving you. There, there should be a way to... If, if the government wants to legalize drugs and control what's put in the drugs, then maybe a campaign like this would, would make a little more sense. But they have no idea what they're getting, right? Like, oh, get high together, and it has fentanyl in it, and they both OD. This is stupid. This is horrible. Yeah. This is dangerous, and I hate it. And well, Leah, you, know, you said, there was... real quick, Leah, you said mm-hmm. that shame worked for you, and I have no doubt about that. I would never question that. But mm-hmm. it's a, but it's a different kind of shame that I'm talking about. Like you weren't shamed for admitting you have a problem. No, you know what I mean? no, like, not at all. That's no. what we should be working towards. Like we should be saying, like, not that it's okay that you're you have a, a drug problem. That's not okay. Uh, it's yeah. not your fault, but it's not okay. We mm-hmm. need to uh, encourage people to just admit it and say, look, the world's not going to reject you for for being who you are. Uh, but let's. Let let me show you how we can make make you better, and how you can make yourself better. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask right? what I, what the I completely agree. what was the shame? If you don't mind saying, if you do, then we'll, we'll edit that out. Uh, no, I don't mind. I I I was embarrassed by myself. There were there was a point um, where I wasn't able to get pills, and I considered um, using heroin. Like I can get that. I know mm-hmm. I can. Like it was offered. 
Um, and I that level was, of desperation. It was my own. You. It did, and and I know I know a lot of people that were heroin addicts. I know what they looked like. I know, um, I know how I felt about them, and I felt better than them. And in that that shame, that moment of being shamed, is what really helped me um, ask for help. So I don't think there's anything wrong with shaming an addict. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the other things I did just want to touch on really quick, uh, I believe this was included in the Build Back Better plan that Mm -hmm. Biden proposed. Um, But a very small portion of that money was allocated to provide clean needles to Mm -hmm. addicts. He got all kinds of criticism mm-hmm. for that because it was like, how dare we use taxpayer money to pay for addicts? Yeah, remember that I, I, I covered that a little don't bit. Have, yes, yeah. that I actually don't have a problem with because it is mitigating other risk factors in sharing mm-hmm. used needles. So like an addict is going to use regardless. If they have clean needles, we don't have to worry about transmitting uh, STDs and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of other issues that come along mm-hmm. with it. Um, I understand why it's controversial, but I think that it is good overall. This for me just totally crossed the line. Yeah. The clean needle mm-hmm. thing, uh, again, there's some questions as to whether there were even needles included in this. It was a safe using, um, uh, package that people were being offered. And, uh, there's an argument to be made that there's such a backlog for helping or trying to help these people is that what are they going to do until then? They're going to continue to use until they're they able to. to have access. They have to, right? Uh, until they the have you, that. They yeah, have that, help. They that, have access to the help that they need. So until addict, then, we got to give them something. And and what you need to understand is like yes, giving them these needles may seem like the same thing as the buddy system, but it's not. These needles would have went to homeless people. Um, poor people, people who cannot afford to go to rehab whenever they feel like it. Um, and in order to not be so physically ill, and in some cases with some drugs, actually have stroke out and die, um, you have to have it in your system until you can get the actual help. Um, and using dirty needles and repetitive use of the same needles leads to a lot of diseases and a lot of death. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not the same thing as trying to get people to buy Narcan. And, and let's that's also point out that this this program that we're talking about that's included in the Build Back Better plan, um, it, it, it also, there's an element that prevents potential crimes. Because when mm-hmm. you're an addict like this, you're so desperate, you are willing to do things that you wouldn't normally do, which include taking needles from someone, you know, taking, you know, stealing, stealing you know, from someone on the street, um, even hurting violent, violently someone in order to get your, your, you know, what you need. Uh, so there's, you know, something to be said about preventing violent crime and ultimately ending these people's lives as they know it, period. Like if it not mm-hmm. with death through the jail system, because once right. an addict gets into the jail system, there's no way out. They don't, they about never it. get they'll never get the help they need. And they're never going to get clean. Right. No, never. Gonna get well, one thing one thing's for sure, no clips from this segment will be able to be replayed on TikTok. Last time Jeff <laughs> tried to talk about this shit, his video got banned and he was accused of being a crack pipe uh, a crack a crack a crack user, crack smoker. Easy that. for me to say. I forgot about crack that. Smoker. 
Crackhead. <laughs> well, what can I say? Crackhead Jones. That's your new nickname. I was just I was just asking for the help I needed, and TikTok said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no help for you. Um, well, do we want to leave it there and come back and talk about Sean? Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. This is uh, another just, you know, <laughs> a head scratcher coming up. So stick with us. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about uh, decriminalizing shoplifting. Oh. Be right back. That's weird. <laughs> with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Ever-Evolving Truth. We're diving deep onto some progressive humanists overreach. Or maybe not overreach is the wrong word. Just um, crazy well, leftist bullshit. Batshit bat insane <laughs> ideas that might have had good intentions, but are it just, I don't see it. I don't see how anybody could agree that this is the way to go. This uh, is regressive and- inhumanism. Yes. This is my favorite. I think this one's my favorite one because it's like, who who heard this idea and said, you know what? I'm going to vote for that. We need to now embrace shoplifters too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's videos. So that, yeah, that's what this segment is. It's uh, there's, a, a, you know, the, the biggest one is San Francisco uh, mm-hmm. decriminalized shoplifting. And then all these videos of people just like going into Rite Aid's taking shit, walking out, and the security guards are just like, whatever. It's yeah. wild. Why is the security <laughs> so guard going to risk anything at that point? Uh, I'm going to San yeah. Francisco. Now, and and the, the governor of California, if I'm correct, is currently uh, in danger of being recalled. Uh, apparently, like, there's polls out there saying Again? 46. Uh, or or may, did that already happen? Governor Newsom? Yeah. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, like four, yeah, four, yeah, four, yeah, four, yeah he already, already got survived a recall. Yeah. Look, he's a piece of work. He's got. Well, how, I'm not issues. sure how he's a terrible Democrat, a terrible. I'm not sure how old that that article was that you that you sent us. Maybe that happened before he survived the recall. But there was like 46 percent mm. of the state that wanted him oh. gone. Uh, yeah. At one yeah. Point, so this is this is from August 3rd, 2021. Okay, so that probably uh, right. so that yes. He yes. he more than survived his recall. He. There was the reason that poll was so close is because there was a lot of people that a lot of Democrats that didn't weren't really excited to go vote for him in the recall. But they did anyway, because some Um, of the other candidates were like wackos. Yeah, wackos, complete nut jobs. But I will say this. Gavin Newsom is a piece of garbage. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. He's a horrible, Mm -hmm. horrible progressive. Yeah. uh, Corporate corporate Democrat. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. But. Still better than the alternative, unfortunately. Uh, but this particular, this is a San Francisco policy, not necessarily a California one, right? Correct. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the article I'm pulling from is from the Hoover Institute, uh, and it's titled Why Shoplifting is Now De Facto Legal in California. Um, so I'll just read a little bit from here. 
uh, says Google shoplifting in San Francisco and you will find more than 100,000 hits and you will find lots of YouTube videos where you can watch a single thief or an entire gang walk into a San Francisco Walgreens or CVS and empty the shelves. Most walk in, go about their pilfering and then walk out. Though at least one thief rode their bike into the store and departed the same way, carefully navigating their two-wheeler down a narrow aisle. I have seen that video, and it is crazy. He drives right past the security guard. Oh, my God. Uh, It says, uh, we probably shouldn't call it shoplifting anymore since the term connotes the idea of a person trying to conceal their crime. In San Francisco, there is no attempt to conceal theft, and there is almost never any effort by store employees, including security personnel, to con- to confront the thieves. The most they do is record the thefts with their cell phones. So why is shoplifting so rampant? It's because state law holds that stealing merchandise worth $950 or less is just a misdemeanor, which means that law enforcement probably won't bother to investigate, and if they do prosecutors will let it go. It's basically like not worth the time and effort to even go after Mm -hmm. these people. Mm -hmm. Um, Why won't store employees do anything about this theft? I feel like the answer to this is pretty obvious. Pretty Uh, simple. Because they don't want to take the risk. Mm -hmm. I doubt many would knowing that a Rite Aid employee was murdered recently after trying to stop two thieves. Moreover, a confrontation within the store risks harming not only one store staff, but also customers. So employees are almost certainly instructed by their managers to do nothing. Uh, Because of this law, California is extending an open invitation to anyone to walk in and take. Just like that, since they know that police and prosecutors won't bother with a misdemeanor complaint and that store personnel won't stop them. It is not just pharmacies that are being ransacked. Recently, San Francisco's Neiman Marcus was targeted by thieves who were stealing designer handbags. Um, Those have to be more than $950, though. I wonder what happens if you steal like a $2,500 Louis Vuitton. Well, but nobody's waving a, a, no, nobody's waving a price checker wand over the crime as it happens to That's determine true. whether That's you true. hit the limit or not. So here, here we get to um, Governor Newsom recently signed a law in which shoplifting is a felony, even if it is below the $950 limit, Hmm. if, and this is a big if, the theft is part of an organized ring with the intent to sell the stolen goods. Again, something, something that has to be investigated, which takes time and money, which is part of the reason this whole bullshit law was put in place, uh, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So sadly, this may have little effect on shoplifting, given that most of these thefts are by individuals rather than groups, and it will still be up to police and prosecutors to charge these as felonies. What is needed is a change to the state law that makes shoplifting at a much lower dollar level um, a felony to provide Mm -hmm. adequate incentives to individuals not to commit these crimes. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's not just shoplifting in San Francisco that is getting headlines. Though San Francisco's out-of-control drug problem, which we just talked about, Mm -hmm. makes this issue much worse than it otherwise would be. Crime is rising almost everywhere in California, including violent crime. Homicides in California jumped 31% last year, making 2020 the deadliest year since 2007. The 2,202 homicides in 2020. Oh, that's weird coincidence. Wow, is that fucked up? (laughs) That's weird. Mm. Uh, Represent an increase of 523 over 2019. That's a huge percentage jump. Over 500 more deaths in one year? Yeah, that's that's about a 25% increase. That was during COVID, too, remember. Actually, I'm sorry. That's that's almost a third increase, 33%. 
and that was during COVID, which means it was probably yeah. people were inside more. Yeah, well, That's well, right, but, but all yeah, that but domestic, a lot of people were laid off too, uh, and all that domestic crime oh, yeah. went way up during that time. And who knows what's being included in this homicide number? Mm-hmm. Right. Good point. Good point. So uh, it says homicides in Los Angeles rose forty percent to three thirty two, and they rose thirty five percent to two eighty five in San Francisco. Both San Francisco and Los Angeles featured district attorneys who are perceived to be soft on crime, and both are facing the possibility of a recall election. Gives a whole new take on defunding the police, doesn't it? It does. Um, These increases put the spotlight on California's recent legal change that provides shorter sentences for prisoners, including violent felons, largely because of budgetary issues. California prison costs are among the highest in the country at $81,000 annually per prisoner. That's crazy. $81,000 $81,000 a year per Most, prisoner? Yes. Can we can we just uh, unpack that for a second? The uh, the median income for an yeah. individual in this country is $35,000, meaning we expect people out in society to live off of $35,000 when it costs $81,000 to house a prisoner. That is yeah. in fucking insane that's insane that's insane yeah but you don't have to pay your kids to watch you to make sure you don't climb out the window either so there there's some costs that don't exist in the household that do exist in yes i understand i understand that but still. but they're also not working like nine to five and have to pay for daycare and well, have to true. pay for their food oh yeah they don't the have median to do income part yeah. is, is ridiculous there's no doubt about that yeah when you think about it that way it's a mind fuck yeah yeah, and so much of this. I mean, housing in California is out of control. I just didn't realize that the prison housing was also out of control. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it Jesus. filters down. Yeah. Uh, so ahead, so he, I just have one other little part to read. Uh, it says, sadly, this is, this is Gavin Newsom creating a political moment to sign an almost meaningless shoplifting crime bill that rarely will be enforced, mm-hmm. defensively reacting to criticism and doing whatever it takes to deflect that criticism, failing to lead yeah. a governor of a state of nearly 40 million without a realistic vision to grow a better future. So, so let me just ask a question I've, here. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The, the no, go question ahead. I was going to ask was after hearing that, do you guys believe this is anything more than major funding problems in San Francisco specifically leads to the desire not to prosecute lower level crimes and therefore uh, for a virtually a virtue signaling measure, someone got the bright idea to uh, decriminalize shoplifting under the guise of, well, this will keep the poor people who have to steal to live from being prosecuted and thrown in prison. But in reality, yes. it's really just about saving money that it, it, in the bloated budgets of California, and again, San Francisco specifically, because of the bloated budgets, they just don't want to prosecute the shit, which is why Newsom's uh, supposed uh, ratcheting up of the of the criminalization of it that well yes even though the lower level theft, uh, will be as long as we can tie it to a, a ring of trying to sell it they're, if they couldn't if they couldn't prosecute the initial crimes they're not going to prosecute the the selling rings unless there's money to be made from doing that that exactly right. just I, like yeah. the addiction thing follow the fucking money yep. this is mm-hmm. they take these humanist ideas and they they run with them which these ideas to begin with again. In theory, what you just said, you know, the impoverished people in this country, excuse me, need to sometimes steal bread to feed their family. Absolutely. Right? So if that was why it was decriminalized, okay. But they took something good and they're running with it and putting some kind of humanist bullshit behind it. It just, 
it doesn't make any it's a stupid sense idea anyway because if you really cared about people who were starving uh then you would yeah. find a delivery system to feed them and get them the shit they need they wouldn't say hey you guys we're, we can't do it we're, we're a little busy today but you guys can go into the stores and take what you need and we'll, it'll be the honor system right. go ahead Abby. exactly that's exactly it yes there are people who cannot feed their families. And if those people have no access to food, toiletries, basic basic hygiene needs, yeah, they're going to steal. Mm-hmm. So the problem is not like, oh, well, poor people are desperate and they're going to steal what they need to survive. It's why isn't the government using that taxpayer money to help these people who are on the brink of desperation before they start shoplifting. Because this is the thing that I have such an issue with. Like the people who are victims of shoplifting, mm-hmm. they're footing the bill for that. Yeah. If you're going into a grocery store and stealing a loaf of bread, the government isn't giving you a loaf of bread. You are taking that bread from the person who owns the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So basically the government is stepping back and mm-hmm. sending the message that like, well, you know, they're just stealing what they need to survive. We're not going to penalize them for that. And it's like, okay, but you're penalizing the people they're stealing from by sitting back and not actually addressing what the situation is, which is there is a rampant homeless problem in California. There is a rampant drug use problem in California. And of course, people living in poverty who are trying to use drugs are desperate for money Mm-hmm. And are going to shop. Yeah, them. and they're all fucked up and while they do it, which increases the danger exactly. to the point where, as somebody working at the farmers market or the deli that's open till two p.m. in the afternoon, it becomes as dangerous a vocation as working at the all night gas station where you get your head blown off. And exactly. let's be clear here: the people that are that are taking advantage of this laws and riding bikes down aisles, yeah, they're not of, the of ride aids. They're not the people I, that yeah, need it. No. They're not. Let Let me just point out that uh, I do feel bad for the local grocer who uh, they steal the local bread from. I do not really feel, I'm not saying it's right, but I don't feel bad if you're stealing a a, a loaf of bread from the Waltons or, uh, you know, from Walmart, you know, what about the pork uh, that you pass along the way that you could shoot in the head if you're fucked up on drugs, you know, that well, that's completely different. That's a completely, of course I, I I, know Jeff, I have to, I have to push back on that a little bit because what ends up happening is Walmart does not eat that cost. They Mm -hmm. up the price of their goods to offset. uh, What do they call it? Um, I forget. I forget the the corporate. There, there. It. It's like a loss. Something loss. It's like a yes. loss of wages. Basically, it's built it's, into their price. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but I, I just don't feel bad for the Waltons for losing money. Is what I'm saying. The this this ridiculous policy is overlooking the largest problem. The larger problem, which is what you've all mentioned is that desperate people tend do to do desperate, desperate things. things. Why are we not addressing why these people are desperate? Exactly. Why are we not easier. taking someone, instead of decriminalizing uh, uh, shoplifting, why don't we take the shoplifter and say, look, we're not going to put you in jail, but we got to train you to, to do a job that's going to afford you to, to pay for these things. You know, why are we not... Uh, why are we not letting the nonviolent drug offenders out of jail so that we don't have to pay $81,000 a year to house them when all they, the the worst thing that they did was try to make a buck, you know, because they couldn't, they couldn't work at the Walmart that's getting robbed 
uh, and afford to live for, you know, whatever Most they likely were because they already had a criminal record. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. So it, it's not you're 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 trying to do something uh, f- for good. You know, I have to uh, I have to assume that these because uh, I was reading about these attorney generals that that got elected on this platform and are now being either recalled or primaried and they're losing. Mm-hmm. So it was a quick thing. It's not a trend anymore. It's it's failed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes a while to overturn these laws and get new laws in place to, or to recriminalize. I don't even can't believe we're talking about recriminalizing, you know. But what? Yeah, why aren't we releasing nonviolent offenders from jail? Why are I they have- in jail to begin with? Why are they not? Why? Why is? Why how, as a country have we not figured out a better disciplinary action than just putting people in a cell? And making them wait. Because they make money off of it. Again, none of this, even with Gavin Newsom, like it it was a few months ago, Abby, I believe you did the article about Gavin Newsom's response to the heartbeat bill, correct? Yes. And it was, it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous thing. And he said, he said like, this is pretty much a dog and pony show. He, he all but said that, um, does anybody else think that this could possibly be another one of those situations? Like the right is so tough on crime and, and we're so against crime and any kind of crime. Could this be a stunt that Gavin Newsom is doing to be like, I am the opposite of tough on crime. I'm the good guy here. Does anyone? I, I think there was definitely some virtue signaling know. involved, whether it was, uh, whether it was like the stunt that he thought would benefit in some major way. I don't know. It, it clearly had, didn't benefit him in a major way. I feel like regardless of what your political affiliation is, mm-hmm. everyone who has to live out in society as a regular person wants a government that is tough on crime. And I mean like mm-hmm. legitimate crime, crime that is going yes. to harm the people in society. Mm-hmm. Um, the shoplifting. And shoplifting is not a victimless crime. Let's not be fair. You know, but if it's nonviolent, again, I just feel like there's a way that we can we can it could still be a crime but we can take the person who's committing the crime and y- instead of putting him in a jail cell and paying $81,000 a year to house them we could direct that energy in a positive way somehow and the fact that we haven't been able to figure it out i know it's all about money but the fact that we haven't been able to figure that out as a society is the real is a real true problem here what is crazy to me is that we will pay eighty one thousand dollars a year to lock up criminals Mm -hmm. after they have already committed crimes many times out of desperation instead Mm -hmm. of affordably housing them so that they don't become desperate and end up in prison which is going to cost taxpayers more money anyway Mm-hmm. Right. And helping them get a job and helping them get the, the medical care that they need, whether it be for addiction or, or anything else, instead of doing anything preventative, it's all right. Those are the good progressive all ideas, the, the things like full employment, that if you are willing to work, that there will be a position for you and you will be you will be given right. some level of livable income and a place to live so you can start to 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 take baby steps in the world and move forward. It doesn't have to have so any you can pull up your bootstraps. Yeah, it, you don't have to. It has nothing to do with fucking shoplifting and shoplifting isn't necessarily even a nonviolent crime. Often it's tied to violence because of the escalation okay. that occurs potentially, especially in privately yes. owned businesses. Where, um, well, anyway, so th- this is all, again, they distract you from it. It's just like the, the guns thing we talked about on the last episode. We shouldn't even have the argument about the teachers or the, the ex-service people guarding the schools because the real problem is 
the NRA is the bad actor who refuses to be regulated and they have enough money to continue to refuse to do it. And that's the only thing we should really be uh, fighting the big war of words about. When they try to take good progressive ideas and tie them to bullshit to make money or to save money, then those are equally bad actors who are just trying to distract the public from the real issue at hand. And fighting yeah. back against the other side. Like yes. one extreme does not cancel out or better the other. No, it doubles doesn't it. make you win. And another interesting thing too, like the good progressive ideas, one of them is, you know, healthcare for all mm-hmm. and, and free mental health care or affordable mental health care, addiction coverage, that kind of stuff. If Newsom wanted to do something like that, I think everybody would jump behind him, but he's not. He's doing this stupid antics stuff. And that's why I always... Sorry. This is a really quick side note. Women who are in recovery um, end up a lot of times having a problem with shoplifting. Mm -hmm. There's something related to females specifically Mm -hmm. in recovery. I know... Do you think it's impulse? It's having it's having what you want in the moment. It's it's the it's the overwhelming desire to have what you want in the moment that leads to the kleptomania Mm -hmm. behavior. But this is why I always say it's a high too. For any get a high off for any of you that don't think that what I've said about the real war being the corporations versus the American people, that's what it's about. Too many politicians are getting paid too much money that they won't do things like you just described. Uh, Universal healthcare that 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 covered mental health and drug addiction and things like that would make a very a much healthier society, and they do not. Not want that because they will make so much less money off a healthier society than they make off the current society for many, many reasons between the, the groceries we buy, the shit we watch and the drugs we take. Uh, it's it's all part of they don't want their profits being interrupted. So even the good, the quote, good politicians on the left that, that a lot of people would say are the good ones. The reason that that they won't take those extra steps and make make the real effort about enacting these good progressive policies is because the corporations do not want that to happen because there's too much money to be made with the way it is. Go ahead, Abby. Yep. Have you guys heard the expression, if you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness? Yes, I Mm -hmm. have. So I kind of feel like that's what's going on here, where it's like, people on the right have been convinced that the left is trying to take all their money through taxation to give it to the poor so that no one has to work and and you, you're going to have all these freeloaders in society. When the reality is, if we address these problems before they turned into real problems, mm-hmm. we would probably be paying a lot less because we're talking about corporate prisons mm-hmm. where we're right. locking people up once they've reached a point of desperation. We're talking about uh, people having access to naloxone whenever they need it. Uh, mm-hmm. Those drug users are not paying for naloxone. It is available to them. Right. That is funded with taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. So you might think that you want to keep your money and not pay taxes towards helping uh, poor people, homeless people get back on their feet, as Greg has mentioned many times, uh, full employment and the whole idea of uh, not letting anyone fall off the ship. Right. It's like if we would just all get on board and do that as a preventative measure, society would be healthier as a whole and it would cost us less money. But there's too many hateful assholes out there who are delusional in their in their discontent, who are getting fucked worse than anybody by the corporations, except the poorest of the poor. 
and they instead will back the corporations and they will support the bullshit that they do because they think they're fighting on the right side of like, we can't let these people come in here and ruin our country and steal from us and use our money for drugs and the bad things they want to do uh, and take it all back to Mexico. It's it's such a stupid idea. It is such a delusional idea that you think that's the reality of the situation. And 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 the the like I said on the on the one episode, the, the corporations act like, hey, we would have had the perfect world for you guys if all these other people weren't coming in here. All these liberals, all these illegals that they're letting in that would have if they hadn't stolen your future, we had the futures for you guys. And they believe that shit because they're so discontent and hate and self-loathing to begin with that it feels good to believe that shit. So then that's the shit they spout. And in reality, mm-hmm. uh, it would benefit them greatly to support the good progressive ideas. It, and you can call it whatever you want. If progressive is too stained with uh, liberalism, call it whatever the fuck you want. But these are the good ideas for humans in society. And there's no arguing that. But you got too many dumbass, hateful people out there who will keep fighting against it because they are the foot soldiers, the blind, mute foot soldiers, well, not mute, but the blind, mindless foot soldiers <laughs> who will lead the charge of the corporations and keep us from being in anything but gridlock. And that's, people, that's how it is out there. That's what's really happening. Yeah, yes. it is. <clears throat> uh, whoever decided it was, well, it was the Supreme Court that decided a corporation... Is an equal is equal to a human being. Mm-hmm. Like that is one of the most disgusting decisions where a group of human beings could ever make. Where's the politician, left, right, center, in between? I don't give a fuck. But where are the people that are going to run on overturning Citizens United? They it's Bernie have... Sanders, AOC, and that's about it. Well, there's got to be some people on the right that are willing to stand up to the... I was saying this to Jeff today. There has I to heard be Republican politicians somewhere. Hopefully the young the ones coming level. up, Leah. Hopefully the young ones coming up who want to take back the Republican Party from what it's become will spout some of those ideas saying, look, this will be a better world and it'll bring our capitalism back so we can flourish again as individuals with entrepreneurial spirit instead of just being uh, feeling lucky to be third third in line to the top bitch of all the bitches that work mm-hmm. at the corporate level. You know, it, right, m- maybe right. maybe some of the young Republicans will be able to take it back, but nobody in the current reality on that side is going to fight for it. And you saw what happened when Bernie and, and, and those people came out and said things that scared a few too many of those people I was just talking about. And yeah. there you go. We, we need a bipartisan grassroots, grassroots movement in this country we where do. people come together, regardless of what your political ideology is, where the concerted effort is in taking money out of politics. Because I feel Ventura, like where are you? Start it, run it. Yes. Abby's gonna he's, be your your he's too old. Your we vice need another Jesse. We need yeah, Greg. Uh the bad publicity. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I'm saying it on T I'm saying it on T so somebody else can go do it. <laughs> It doesn't matter anymore. Look look at what's gotten elected. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, no, I, don't, I, I, I do. Lauren Boebert, who has a pedophile husband, is going to get reelected for a third time. I could get Congress. elected. I'm I not know, worried about Jeff, that part. But, like, it's, it's groups like the NRA that yes. pick those people. It's like... The people, yeah. the people don't even pick the candidates. The corporations pick the candidates and feed it to us. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I, I said it on one of the episodes. It was like, hey, we have McDonald's and we have Burger King and they're both really, really bad for you, but pick which one you like better. Yep. You Those said are that your last only week. options. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did say that. 
And it's so true. And I'm sick of that. We don't, we shouldn't have that anymore. We can get somebody to run on Citizens United being overturned. I'd vote for him. I, I wouldn't even care at this point. If it's like just four years, fine, overturn abortion. Give us all the guns we want. You fix that, and then we can fix everything else. That's how I honestly feel. Yeah. That's how I feel, it too. It would be the first mm-hmm. brick. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Well, it, it, nothing nothing falls without that, because it's just... Well, I mean, we talked about it a little bit the last time we were all together. Ted Cruz yeah. Uh, yeah. won a Supreme Court decision on the cap, on the amount of money that a corporation could do. The cap is like zero... Like, the cap is... There's, Unlimited amount yeah, of money. Yep. Like so infinity. we as individuals are allowed to donate what? $500 total to was, a campaign? I think it was 5000 but yeah. still. That's a, uh, but a, a corporation can donate millions to a super PAC. Mm-hmm. We have zero voice compared to a, a yes, mega corporation. absolutely right. true. People, it's got to be grassroots or it's not happening at all. So just keep that in mm-hmm. mind. And maybe right. enough of us do need if to get. We could all agree on we do one need thing. To get together and isn't that the one thing we could be? Maybe it's got to be about less about one candidate too. Like we always say, like Jordan and I both said when you suggest, oh, well, you should run. There's too much right now in this environment. My whole family life and my personal life would be ruined by trying to run for that. So much bullshit would happen, and 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 the scrutiny would be unbearable at my current level. But it, it's not going to happen unless groups of people can get together with candidates and teams mm-hmm. and people that are yes. working together that's how it's get we got to get out of this mindset of like that's the guy who will fix it no guy can fix it no girl can fix it we need teams we need to come together that's the only way we're yeah. going to do it and even then in the best of circumstances and by the way like i said before with global cooperation because it won't be enough to change the laws in america anymore the corporations are too fucking big for that so we need cooperation among humans and i'm still hopeful enough that it is possible but right now, boy, does it look like a far off sparkle in the distance. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, I've already alienated the part of my family that would scrutinize any campaign that I would go up against. So I don't even really give a fuck. You got to get a new family. Well, I mean, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you need a new everything. Strangers will be coming out of the woodwork with stories about you because you piss so many people off on a regular. I don't know mm. if it will work, but I'd love to watch you try. <laughs> You're the one who always said I should. I know. I want to watch you try. <laughs> I think it'd be glorious. <laughs> you just want to watch me fail. This is that would no, this whole thing. She would never. Not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and and well, the best is yet to come on this show, or yeah. the worst, depending on your perspective. All right. So let's the take a worst. quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about Canada. Canada. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ever-Evolving Truth, segment three, the final one of this lovely episode. We're going to talk about our neighbors to the north, Canada, who have uh, recently changed some of their medically assisted suicide laws, uh, and it's had a a large effect on on some of their citizens. Uh, And Abby had brought this to our attention, so Abby, take it away. So this actually came to my attention because I saw this Uh, a kind of outrageous headline basically saying that Justin Trudeau was promoting the government assisted suicide of poor and mentally ill people. I saw that too. I saw that like a meme. Yes. Which is not accurate, but it caused me to look into this. So um, I'm going to read from this article from uh, what is this? Cityjournal.org. 
Um, so it says in 2021, Canadian law on assisted suicide contains a provision that will allow doctors to provide assisted suicide to the psychiatrically ill starting next year. Given that severe psychiatric disorders tend to cloud the judgment of those who suffer from it, one wonders who will benefit most from this law if passed. Certainly it might remove from society people who are often difficult, unproductive, and expensive for others. There's that expensive word again. They might be encouraged to shuffle off this mortal coil as a service to their relatives or even to their uh, county. The distinction between the voluntary and the compulsory might become blurred. The law is a logical extension of the right to a dignified death procured by others. That is, a mode and time of death of a person's choosing with the aid of doctors and nurses. Originally, the right was conceded to those already dying. But why should the dying have all the best deaths? Either a man has a right to dispose of himself or he doesn't. I'm just reading from the No, article. I know you are. Uh, <laughs> whether he happens to be dying, as in a sense we all are anyway, is irrelevant. If a man has a right to kill himself, it is only humane to give him the opportunity to, to do so in comfort, surrounded by his loved ones, with soft music playing free of the messy outcomes so often associated with unassisted suicide. Many of those currently determined to, exist, to exit this life are obliged to travel to Switzerland, but doing so is expensive and creates a further social division. Those who can afford assisted suicide and those who can't. Why does equality of rights mean if people are unequally able to exercise those rights? Or sorry, what does equality of rights mean? The supposed equality becomes a dead letter. Therefore, not only should there be a law permitting assisted suicide as and when people desire to die, but in the name of equality. It is the duty of the state to ensure that people have access to it as part of general society security. The slippery slope argument, of course, has long been one of the principal objections to the legalization of assisted suicide and euthanasia. Not every slippery slope is slid down, but we have reason to suppose that, at least in some jurisdictions, it is happening. In 2017, a research letter in the New England Journal of Medicine reported, with a sense of pride, that in the Netherlands, 92% of those euthanized had serious illnesses. No explanation for the other 8% circumstances uh, was forthcoming. The editors evidently did not think it polite to ask. The numbers were not small. As many were euthanized without serious illness as are murdered in the Netherlands in four to five years. The state, one might surmise, is complicit in more killings than all criminals in the country combined. Moreover, serious illness is not the same as fatal illness. An illness may be serious but not fatal. It may be bearable or unbearable, but whether it is the one or the other, it is not simply a technical question that can be answered by ticking a few boxes on a form. An easy way out will always tempt people to take it who might otherwise have carried on. And in times of economic stringency, they might well be encouraged to take it. Our hospitals, after all, are full and often urgently in need of beds for those who can be helped. On the other side of the question is the fact that everyone can easily imagine circumstances, circumstances in which we would rather die than carry on and would appreciate an easeful death. The principle of double effect, according to which doctors are permitted to prescribe drugs intended to comfort the dying, but that will also shorten their lives, has long been in operation. It is not a perfect solution to the, to the dilemma, but then there is no perfect solution. And there was another article I had read um, about two different women in Canada who both had 
like long-term serious illnesses. Uh, but the question around it, so they both ended up opting for this medically assisted suicide. The question around it though, was that part of their rationale and wanting to seek this medically assisted suicide was that a lot of the symptoms they were enduring because of their illness was directly related to them not being able to get adequate housing. So because they were severely ill, they were on medical disability and getting money from the government to live on, but it was only enough money um, that they were like not even at the poverty line. So that's what they were living on. They were living on government housing. The government housing wasn't adequate and it was exacerbating their condition. So all of that together led them to make the decision to end their life. So okay. I feel like the question is, and I did go back and listen to the euthanasia episode that you guys did. I was not mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. one. I wanted a refresher on what all of you had to say about it. I wasn't either. Was I? I don't think you I were was there. On. Was I there? <laughs> you I don't were there. remember, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think we all agree that there is compassion in allowing people to die with dignity mm-hmm. as they choose to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the question here is, is it, is it truly compassionate or basically like if Canada is going to say, this is an option mm-hmm. for people who are terminally ill or now people who have severe psychiatric problems, mm-hmm does the government not also have an obligation to make sure that quality of life is as high as possible so that people are not motivated to end their life for reasons outside of an illness? Yes. I think the answer to your question is, is twofold. And I actually have a question before I give Mm -hmm. you an answer. Do you happen to know um, any of the regulations on the mental health aspect of it. Like t- say you take a scare- a paranoid schizophrenic, for example. Um, when they're not medicated, they're absolutely insane. They define insanity. They're not in their right mind. But when they're medicated, they're aware of what's going on and they know what happens to them when they're not. Um I went to high school with a girl that I was pretty good friends with that is now a schizophrenic. She's not the same person, doesn't even resemble like visually the same person because of the medication. Um, I, I know that um, it, it's common for people like that to want to end their lives. My question is, is there is there any law saying that if you are doing it for a mental health reason, you have to be of sound mind for a certain amount of time and you have to have maybe two or three psychiatrists sign off on it. If that were part of the law, I would absolutely be 100% behind it. I, I think similar to the abortion laws here in the state of Pennsylvania, women have to wait 48 hours from their appointment to the actual procedure. Um, and you know, they have to have some tests done. If if they're going to do that, that, you know, something like that for the mentally ill, 
I, I think I would be in 100% in support of this law. Abby, do you have there, because I do have the, the little section here on that that I could read from it, if you, unless you have it. I was trying to find it, but if you already have it up, please yeah, go Yeah, so about uh, mental illness uh, and um, medical assistance and dying, if a mental illness is the only medical condition leading you to consider, uh, we'll just call it MAID, because that's medical assistance in mm -hmm. dying, that's the acronym, mm -hmm. you are not eligible to seek MAID at this time. Under the new changes made to the law, though, the exclusion will remain into effect until March 17, 2023. Beyond that... Um, mental illness being the only condition may still uh, allow you to seek medical assistance in dying. This temporary exclusion provides the government of Canada and health body health professional bodies more time to consider how MAID can be provided safely to those who only is, whose only medical condition is mental illness. To support that work, the government initiated an expert review to provide recommendations on protocols, guidance, safeguards for those with a mental illness. And I'm sure part of those protocols and guidance will be power of attorney questions on who can speak for a severely like a paranoid schizophrenic, mm -hmm. like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, after 2023, people with a mental illness as their sole underlying condition will have access to MAID if they meet all of the eligibility requirements and the practitioners fulfill the safeguards that are put in place for this group of people. If you have a mental illness along with other medical conditions, you may be eligible to seek MAID. Eligibility is always assessed on an individual basis, taking into account all the relevant circumstances. However, you must meet all the criteria to be eligible for MAID. So that was the, the medical um, okay. or the uh, mental illness question. We're not quite there yet on that. And nor should we be. That, that, that has to be something where those questions of, are you even yeah. fit to give informed consent? Because informed consent is absolutely a requirement of MAID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think <clears throat> there are bad people in the world. We all know this. There are going to be people that would take advantage of a law like this if those safety precautions that I just mentioned and mm -hmm. the potential ones you read aren't in place, there will be tons of children killing their mentally ill parents or, um, you know, parents doing to their kids, whatever. It could happen. If you're the power of attorney, you're going to, you know, it can be a lot to care for someone who is truly insane. And that is a big question um, that needs to be wrestled with for sure. Now, I didn't actually have this question. I've never had this question that Abby posed occur to me naturally before that, like, if you're going to make it okay, then you need to make sure that anybody who wants it doesn't have a life that's so bad because of what the government's not doing, that they're yes. making the choice for those reasons rather than I have such a condition that I must end my life because my suffering is too great. But if your mm -hmm. suffering is something completely out of your control, that house, uh, your how your 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 home situation, your financial situation couldn't help your pain or couldn't get mm -hmm. you back to a good place where you wanted to live anymore, you could make that decision with dignity. But the right. the, the question of does the government have the responsibility if they're going to make it okay at all to make sure that nobody falls under that? I think it's a very reasonable question that should yes. be thought about. But it's so. I don't know. Do you guys feel like it's almost uh, overwhelming to think about the government being able to do that ever at all before passing a legislation like this? Because there's a lot of people right now that would be helped by medically assisted suicide. Um, yeah. The amount of time it would take to clean up, let's just say even just Canada, uh, to the point where people wouldn't have to make that choice for that reason. I feel like that is so far out of the realm of possibility right now based on current reality that I don't think it's possible to do that. So does not being possible mean that we can't consider that question at that time, at this time? I don't know. What do you guys think? 
I think it, I think we can always strive to be better. Yeah. Right. The, the whole thing is overwhelming in the sense that, like, when we talk about medically assisted suicide and quality of life, we generally just think of old people mm-hmm. with terminal illness who have lived their lives and ready to die. There's a whole subsect of people that don't have a great quality of life or even have an awful quality of life, but are also yeah. perfectly healthy physically, right. maybe not mentally, but physically. Um, it poses the question, like if those people choose not to live anymore, is that something that they should have access to? And it seems like that this, this new legislation is struggling with that uh, at least on the mental illness side of it. Like, is their mental illness so terrible that it's, it, they're never going to have a, a better quality of life. Like in that case, I think that, you know, they should have the, the choice. I don't care if they're, they you know, they're, if think... they're 22, 22 or, or 102, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, like, it, it really is like, cause again, I've only ever thought of it as old people yeah. that are going to die soon anyway, that have lived their life and done everything that they wanted to do and are now terminally ill or in, in such severe pain that they want they want to die like my grandfather just died he's been saying he's wanted to die for like 10 years like i felt bad for the guy like it's almost like when he died i was like it's like a relief because it's like oh like he's got all these ailments and his life was miserable for 10 years and he's just hanging on mm-hmm. and the guy wanted to die like it, it was like a crime that he couldn't die you know well uh, i think but I that's think the I meant only to... way i've ever thought of it so like <laughs> this article is really interesting just like bringing up all these different ways that medically assisted suicide could be used mm-hmm. well for yeah. me for me i feel like the real moral dilemma is uh i don't think on its on its surface that medically assisted suicide is a bad thing the question is are we using it are, are we potentially using it because it's easier than addressing a more complicated problem. Yeah, right. Yes, it's right. putting a bullet on a Band-Aid wound. I, I, yeah. I, or other way around. <laughs> that that <laughs> first one would be interesting, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> Put a but bullet like on of, that Band-Aid. Why, one why of is the, this bullet on a Band-Aid? One of the stories of these women was, I forget what the name of her condition was, but basically it was this hyper, hypersensitivity to like pollen and certain cleaning chemicals, detergents, things like that. To the mm-hmm. point that it would be like debilitating migraines and uh, in extreme cases, she would go into anaphylactic shock. So like the condition was incredibly severe and incredibly uh, unpleasant to live with. Mm-hmm. But she was in government housing because she wasn't able to work and the government was you know, taking care of her. Mm-hmm. But right. the, the ventilation in this house was not preventing any of these things that were exacerbate, exacerbating her condition um, from coming in and affecting her. So like she and her friends and family were petitioning the government for several years to try to get her different housing that oh would help God. mitigate this problem. And nothing ever came of it. The government did nothing about it. So like this is where the line the line gets blurred, where it's like, maybe this person would have made the decision to end their life regardless because the condition was so hard to live with. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, the government was not doing enough to make sure this person's quality of life was the best that it could be. Mm -hmm. So that then in, in an ideal situation, she could make the decision. Okay. 
is this really what I want to do? It was, right. it almost feels like her hand was forced. So it, it, mm. what I'm hearing more than anything is that it should exist on a sliding scale one to one. Uh, whereas as the steps are taken to make um, made medically assist assistance in death, as the, as the steps are taken to open more doors to make that more accessible to an equal, even if they're in totally different places, it should operate like a sliding scale where the steps to improve the quality of life for people that might not want to live anymore simply because of poor quality of life alone uh, mm -hmm. cannot take an option that is now more readily available without steps having already been taken by the government to improve that situation. Even though you're not going to fix them or, or, or have them operate in the same speed at the same time toward the goal, that one should not be able to happen without steps being taken in equal measure to to assist with the other problem. That that's what I'm really hearing you say, and I tend to yes. I tend to agree. I I do too. I, I, I feel bad for the people waiting mm -hmm. for the government red tape to be cut mm -hmm. while waiting for this improved quality of life that might still lead them to make the same decision that they would have anyway. Like that just seems cruel and unusual too. Like well, I, I, I agree, but them sitting back and doing nothing and just sitting on their hands is basically like, well, you can deal with it, or we have this option where you can just kill yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's I, fucked up. So I'm a huge fan, I guess you could say, for lack of a better word, of um, medically assisted suicide. I think everyone should have that right. Um, I do too. And, I agree. And I think it shouldn't just be terminal patients. When I think of it, I don't necessarily think of old people, but I do think of, you know, terminally ill people, mothers with young children who don't want their children to see them suffer and remember them that way, whatever it may be. There's millions of reasons. Um, and I think everybody should be in control of their own destiny at all times. And um, if if someone is so severely mentally ill, not only is the mental illness um you know, changing who they could have been and making for sad quality of life. But the medication they put them on, lithium, for example, has horrible side effects. So you can either be crazy all the time and be dangerous, or you can be normal all the time, but feel horrible. What kind of life is that? And you if, know, kind of life at if all. somebody... And I would think someone who wants to end their life for those reasons um, would be willing to wait six months to do it. What's another six months? Um, go through the motions, do therapy, <clears throat> have more than one doctor, you know, say that they're of sound mind. You have to be on the, the medication the entire time, you know, whatever. They have to see whatever the rules need to be, but they need to be put in place. But I do think that they should be allowed to do it. That, I, that, that I part large... I don't have a problem with. I'm talking more of like the situation Abby was talking about where uh, this woman's living in government housing right. and the, the ventilation could potentially make her life better. How long does she have to wait? Years? Right. Decades before they actually change the ventilation so that she could see what you know, what, the what her life would be like at its best. Mm -hmm. And then only to be able to say, it's still awful. And I want to be dead. Like to wait all that time just to come to the same conclusion that you would have anyway. Well, so that seems just cool other, to me. You know what I mean? I think the other thing you'd be waiting for, like I think ending a life, ending your own life, but having a doctor 
who takes the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm um, end your life, that should be a big decision. And yeah. that should oh, no, be I agree a decision. With that should be a big decision. Yeah. That's a decision that does not is not taken lightly. It's not just your life. It's the life of the doctor that is choosing to help you die. And what's They're ending gonna, a life too. What, what's going to be required oh. to fix the other part of it is that in a in a socialist kind of system like Canada has mm-hmm. for certain things, and when the government is providing housing, affordable housing to those that don't have money, blah, 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 resources are very finite. Now, we know they're not really finite because of where all the money's really going in a lot of cases, but right. resources are finite as far as any reality that we can get our hands around right now. So the, the idea of taking steps to improve good progressive policy in different areas at the same time, I think makes a lot of sense because yes, while that lady shouldn't have to wait um, 10 years to get her ventilation fixed where she might be able to live more comfortably Mm -hmm. uh, is three months reasonable. Probably is six months reasonable. Probably is 10 years reasonable. No, but like, but, but this is what they'll say that the the proponents against it will say that it'll cost too much to just give everybody what they want at all times. So they can be comfortable because look, let's face it. Some people are like are like delusional about their ailments. Some people believe they have shit they don't even have. Some people are like very hypersensitive kind of pains in the ass people. And I think that you you like which one are you dealing with in a given situation? Is it somebody that's really suffering? Is it somebody that just suffers because they are are a miserable human being? I don't know. But the the argument against this would be the amount of money it would take to um, adhere or, or service the whims of every human being that could possibly be in this situation is such an insurmountable, expensive idea that you just can't do it. But you can take steps to make it better. Eliminate waste. Be more efficient. Th- that's the kind of thinking you need to do. But I, I yeah. really like the idea of the different elements of progressive policy at the same time all getting mended as yes. we move in the same direction. Even if one's way up here and the other one's way down there, um, if they're moving at the same speed from where they're at, that sliding scale idea, then uh, you are you are doing something in that moment to address all the problems. And I think that's a really good type of thinking mm-hmm. to engage in. Yes, I agree. I couldn't couldn't agree more. I, I wish someday too. you would. I wish someday you would agree more, Leah. I would I, just be I'm like, you know what? I could agree a lot more if you had said that better. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to say it next week. Be prepared. It's coming. I hope so. Um, do we have anything else on this subject before we say goodbye? Mm, no, I don't think no. so. All right, then. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you back here on Friday with, with the news. Until then, you are entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts. Can uh, we do a thank you, you instead of a fuck you? Oh, it's a different who, tactic. Who do you want to say thank you to? I want to say thank you, Dr. Kevorkian. Ah, uh, the pioneer. <laughs> the pioneer Dr. of Death. medically assisted suicide. I also, I want to put out a challenge at the end of the, the, the episode here. I want uh, the guy, um, what's his name? The something nihilist. The guy that we interviewed, one of our first interviews on Pookie in Paradise. A oh long my time God, ago, that guy. Who's suing his parents for conceiving him. Yes. And he said, I was never asked to be brought into this world, which I, I understand that way of thinking a little bit. I can relate to it. Like if you had the option to like, okay, so you have to pay your electric bill, which is going to go up 45% this year for no fault of your own. Like you were never, you never asked for that. You were forced mm-hmm. into this world. Uh, you were never, 
I challenge you, sir, move to Canada and see if you can uh, achieve medically assisted suicide based on your uh, mental state. Oh, I feel like he's, uh, go I feel for like it, he's not going to go for if that. If you don't want to be here, <laughs> if you don't want to be here, if you're that against being born, go for it. Here's your chance to end your life and not have to deal with it anymore. Like the challenge is out there. The tools await you, sir. I think you'd have to become and a leave Canadian. Leave your poor parents alone. Yeah, leave those parents alone. They brought your <laughs> dumbass into the world. But no, I, I think you have to become a Canadian citizen anyway to to even be in the in the discussion. No, I'm on sure. This. If he's truly for the cause, he He'd would put in it. the work, right? Right. Go well, buy a moose. If he was live truly... the can- can- Canadia life. <laughs> yeah. Buy a moose. So fuck you, the nihilist. Uh, for you have this opportunity and you're not taking it. Uh, this is the ever evolving truth. We will see you in a couple days. Media Group for additional content unrelated to the show. Thanks for listening.